everyone. Cuckoo. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Europhile. My name is Kate Walker. And I'm Catherine Rory. Hi, Kat. Hi, How are Kate. you doing this week? What's up? <laughs> I'm good. I mean, do I sound incredibly <gasps> crystal clear right now? I because mean, I have a new microphone, yes. everyone. <laughs> She's professional. Yes. You know, the last one, it just wasn't making the cut for me. So mm -hmm. I need to be on Kate's level, get the same mic mm -hmm. she has, mm -hmm. and it'll be great. So mm -hmm. I hope this sounds you know great, everyone. Shout out to my brother, Elijah, who told me before mm -hmm. we started the podcast, yep. you need a Yeti Blue. Set and that up. is just great advice. Yes. So thank you, Eli. No, yes, he's not going to listen Eli. to this. Maybe I'll force <laughs> <Excuse> him. me. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> you know. We know. We have to have a talk about it, but yeah. But aside from that, I'm good. Last night, we recreated an old supper club dinner menu, and it was mm. absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Had dirty martinis. I saw that martini. Uh, wedge salad, mm -hmm. which I swear to God, nothing hits like a wedge salad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that sounds amazing. What else? We had some steak with mushrooms you eat steak I, yeah i That's rarely so to me. do if i do it's at home like i would never seek it out i would never order it sure it was great and then we had grasshoppers afterwards so mm, and then we watched I'm a fun. feminist thriller movie oh, and it was a great fun. night <laughs> yeah that's so promising fun. young woman i highly recommend everyone okay. but yeah so that was nice. it kate great. how are you doing what's I'm up good i've been kind of losing it as far as like being in my apartment for too much for like yeah. too long and yeah. so on saturday i went to pasadena and then i happened to just stumble i mean i was doing errands and so i stumbled <laughs> on this old italian grocery oh, deli yeah. it's called broma market and it's just so cute any kind of pasta you want literally uh, any kind of any kind God and just the charm of it's kind of a hole in the wall but it's just i feel like yeah. just so iconic that i needed to go and yeah. I, mean, I don't really find myself in pasadena that often right so what did you get what kind of stuff did you get i got sicilian lemonade which oh. i still have not yet tried. oh you gotta crack that open i'm gonna crack it open and i'm gonna put it on your files instagram because the oh, the packaging is Pretty oh. fab. <laughs> and then I just got some like pasta. Yeah. What shape? It's fusilli, but it's not the type of fusilli that we think. It's like oh. really twisty and flat. So it's like a flat twist, but it's like oh. a foot long. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to make with that? Or do you have a I plan? I feel like it's like a company pasta. So I don't think yes. I'm going to eat it quite yet. Save oh, it. good. That'll Something be very special. special. Yeah. Yes, exactly. How fun. What a fun mm -hmm. day, though. Mm -hmm. I recommend that spot if you're here. Okay, Kat, I have the main topic this week. Yes, you do. do. I get into it. Please, let's get going. This week, we're going to go mm -hmm. to France. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we talked about this, but I just want to. <laughs> 
discuss this a little bit. Mm -hmm. I majorly changed topic this week and I wanted to talk about something. And then I realized, wow, this topic is much bigger than me and would love to get someone. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to someone sort of like interview. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, I hope. But hopefully new sort of things will happen with that and like our pod. So mm-hmm. that's fun, hopefully. Stay tuned. But quick switch up. <laughs> and so I was like, well. At the final hour. At the final Kate hour. pulled through. Yeah, I was like, oh God, okay. So the only thing that was like calling to me is the history of the Louvre, okay? Great, that is <laughs> perfect. I don't really know much about it, so okay. perfect. So, for those of you who do not know, the Louvre is a palace and an art museum. And, like, if you live under a rock, it's in <laughs> Paris. So, God, I, you know. I would hope everyone would know that. Yeah, but. just, it's on the right bank, right on the river, beautiful. Mm-hmm. You've been, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. just once. Okay. But yes. Fabulous. I have been there. I have, mm-hmm. I'll talk about this at the end, mm-hmm. but. I'll tell you my, it's not interesting really, but just like classic American in yeah. the Louvre story. <laughs> okay. So it all starts with Philippe Auguste, who is king of France from, I'll do years just to get you situated. Okay. When? Okay, where, great. Why? What? Okay, yes, so. <laughs> tell me. From, <laughs> from 1100 to 1223, Jesus Christ. Um, why can't I read? I'm like dyslexic with numbers. Okay, so he was king of France from then. And then okay, so this his, is already way farther back than I ever it's imagined. Very, 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 very long ago. A thousand years ago. A thousand years ago. Holy shit. He was like the f- very first king of France. So okay. all of his predecessors are the king of the Franks. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So this is now considered France. Got it. And this is why this is important. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was the one who built a wall around Paris. Mm -hmm. It's called the Wall of Philippe de Augustus. And then he, like, was the one who sort of reorganized the French government. And I think he just, like, generally did nice things for France. Okay. I mean, I didn't deep dive on him. He could be a piece of shit. But, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as this goes, not terrible okay okay Okay. setting up for good things right right? okay (laughs) okay it says that there's only one description of him listen to this this is (laughs) a handsome strapping fellow bald but with a cheerful face of ruddy complexion and his temperament much inclined towards good living wine and women Ooh, a party animal okay He he was generous to his friends Stingy to those who displeased him, well-versed in the art of stratagem, orthodox in beliefs, prudent and stubborn in his resolve. Aries. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Actually, I should have looked that up. He kind of sounds like it, right? Um, he made judgment with great speed and exactitude, fortune's favorite, fearful for his life, easily excited and easily placated. He was very tough with powerful men who resisted him and took pleasure in provoking discord among them. What a shit star. Is that funny? Yeah, he's fun. Never, however, did he cause an adversary to die in prison. He liked to employ humble men to be the Mm. subduer of the proud, the defender of the church, and the feeder of the poor. Okay. Great so, setup. Not aim at. Yeah. <laughs> not aim at. Not trash. Maybe. 
Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully not. I don't really know, but as far as the one mm-hmm. description of him goes, great. Top notch. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. So that lovely man decided to make a fortified building to protect Paris because during this time we have this little thing called the Crusades going on. Mm-hmm. So okay. some political things happened, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. Skip, skip. This is basically to protect France slash Paris from mm-hmm. the English. These walls still exist, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, th- I yes, was going to say, I've seen these. Yes. So, like I said, if you're not familiar with Paris, the Louvre is on the Seine. It just makes sense to have, like, a fortified building. It was designed to be square and protected by a moat. And then Mm. it had a few circular, like, defensive towers in its corners. I won't talk about, like, actual structure because, like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to picture on a podcast, okay? So the main distinction here is that the Louvre was not a royal residence. It was just a garrison, like, fortress okay. at this point. Okay. And that it wasn't in the heart of the city at this point either. It was at the outskirts because it's, like, trying to protect Paris. Okay. So basically where it was, place was strategic for that time. But obviously, as we know, Paris, mm-hmm. like, becomes, like, very populated and the, stretches it out just beyond became the walls. very dense. Yes. So basically, it just like didn't make sense anymore. To it wasn't gonna work okay. for like, like being serve the its purpose. Yeah, for the English if they come. After this, the kings of France, because they didn't live in Paris, they lived outside, mm, of, like, in the countryside okay. or whatever. Okay, they would find themselves staying there more and more. So you know, it got like built up. It got a little nice, you know. Right. Yeah, it's from yeah. this dingy, you know, Garrison fortress, fortress right. to a palace. So technically, this isn't the same building that we see today. So hold, please. Oh. You know, some battles happened. Mm-hmm. Political things happened. Now King Francis is in power, and he is this Renaissance man, okay, oh. in the 1500s. Okay. So he was said to be an amateur poet and a man of letters, mm. and he's the one who actually helped standardize the French language. Oh. So a little tangent on that. Okay. That is interesting because think about Italy, dialects. Italy Mm. was not a unified country until the 1700s, 200 years after France. So picture, France doesn't really have dialects because of this reason. Right. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. So like, you know, like there's Sicilian dialect, whatever. Anyway, so... I thought that was interesting and important to know and really does help understand why France feels very unified. This is one yeah. of the reasons why. Okay. Right? It's not they were seen doing as like other so people. Like, do, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are like differences between the North and the right. South. Mm-hmm. But it's not as Northern Italy versus Southern Italy kind okay. of like this class yeah. distinction. Mm, very interesting. Little tangent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good okay. one. So he was also a patron of the arts and he just loved Leonardo da Vinci and Ooh. wrote to him and convinced him to move to France. So he was the reason that <gasps> da Vinci came to, to wow. Paris. Oh, cool guy. <laughs> yeah. By 1546, this is when King Francis is like 
raise it, tear it down. Oh, okay. It doesn't really serve its function as a garrison anymore. Yeah. Really just as like this random building in the middle this of This old Paris. clunky building. Yeah. And, and he he's a renaissance is a man. He wants beauty. Yeah. You know? Yes. Exactly. Oh, sign me up. That was the time where they built the palace. Okay. So every king after him, like consecutive king after him, adds, 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 adds. Mm galleries okay. adds wings whatever they mm-hmm. add their own this is a, a work in progress if you will okay so it was until louis the 14th everyone had resided at the louvre all of these kings okay and then obviously we know right he, like fucks off to versailles yeah. and like built versailles sun king out of yes, there exactly so <laughs> and that happened in 1678 i mean i don't blame him versailles pretty nice. i mean yeah there is nothing like versailles pretty special Mm -hmm. no wonder why the people were pissed and when they're hungry and desperate yeah you know revolutions happen yep yeah Mm -hmm. it was all leading up yes as much as we love Versailles. yeah i can appreciate (laughs) for its beauty but like if i was starving what it stands for pissed eat the rich you know yep (laughs) yes (laughs) um so this is when the Louvre Palace becomes a place to display the royal collection of art. And okay. at this time, it was mainly Greek and like Roman mm-hmm. antiquities okay. sculptures. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then the French, this is what I wrote, the French let them eat cake revolution <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just make myself laugh. I'm just, you know. <laughs> so in 1692, this is when the Louvre is starting to be home to Les Académies. It's all of the art. Mm, okay. You know, there's like the ones for sculpture, there's the ones for painting. So in 1699, this is where they held those really famous salons, which oh. is where if you became an artist that were was picked to, to right. be in a salon, you could be really famous. Yeah. This okay. was a huge turning point. In your okay. career. In Paris, in a salon, in the Louvre, this is a big seal of approval. And so those academies, they stayed at the Louvre for a hundred years. Mm. Art was really, you know, is a huge historic thing for the Louvre. Right. It's okay. always been in its history, yeah. basically. So during the French Revolution, the National Assembly decided that the Louvre should be used as a museum. So this is when museum status oh, happens. Oh, okay. Um, They're literally like everything for the people. Yes, exactly. Democratizing art Everyone at this needs point. this, yeah. The majority of the works that were displayed were royal and confiscated church property. So oh, I guess sus. like... Sus. <laughs> I know. They're like, Stolen. this is pretty. Let's take that. And yeah. this is nice. This. Thank you. Don't worry about it. It's going to the Louvre. Yeah. That's Don't fine questions. with you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> One of the Louvre's most famous works, I feel like you've heard of this, is mm. Lil Mona Lisa. <laughs> and I'm going to go yes. on a little, little, Lil Mona Lisa. little inter- interlude on her. <laughs> so a number of Da Vinci's works find their way somehow either gifts or he purchased them mm. into francis the first collection so he's the renaissance man okay oh right our renaissance king including la jaconda or la jaconde or mona lisa ah uh, okay according to french folklore 
Francis was even at da Vinci's bedside when he died. Oh. In 1519, the king purchased her. Okay. I wonder and how much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you have to know in today's I think money he how much. purchased her from an assistant or something. Yeah. Wow. This is so fun. <laughs> I know. It's so, yeah, it's so crazy. It's like these really famous works have just these humble, how right. do they maneuver their way into being yeah. this icon? Instead of being at the Louvre, he did not put her there. Mm. He was put at other private residences. Right. So okay. she wasn't on display yet there. So it was only after the fall of the monarchy and the establishment of the Louvre as a real public museum Oh, was when she went she to came. the Louvre. Okay. Yes. I mean, there are like a few exceptions of when she like wasn't actually at the Louvre. And one was when Napoleon came into power and he had hung her in his bedroom. <gasps> oh my God. I know. What a guy. That's so funny. You cannot do that. I know. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, he renamed the Louvre <laughs> as Musée Napoleon. So mm, I guess he can stick. just do what he <laughs> Thank wants you. until. Thank you. He can't. (laughs) There was another time where she was not at the Louvre. It was in 1911, and she was stolen right off the wall on the museum, in the museum, I should say, by an Italian convict thief. (gasps) Oh, my God. And he said that he was just repatriating da Vinci's (gasps) work. Isn't that so funny? Oh, my God. That's really good. So they didn't put a painting in her spot. They left it blank. Like in her I wonder honor. how long she was gone. 50, 50 years. 50 years? Mm-hmm. She was eventually returned after the 50 years. Okay. Whoa. And then 50 years after that, she left the museum again. And this time it was because Jackie Kennedy convinced oh. the French officials to allow the painting to tour museums in New York and DC and this is the first time that there is like a blockbuster art exhibit sold out tickets yeah this is the first one Jackie I'm Mm -hmm. shocked that that was allowed not only is she chic she is democratizing art (laughs) yes (laughs) you know the French really liked her because she like spoke French and like was very elegant Mm. and you know yeah I can see that so going back to the 1940s we see the rise of nazism we see the rise of the third reich and mm-hmm. the nazis eventually find their way to paris Pantan so... is like come on in let's hang let's mingle basically <laughs> it's fine come on <laughs> just don't let's bomb hang. paris and it's yeah. fine <laughs> so the conservators at the louvre at the time like god bless their quick thinking they evacuate thousands yeah. of pieces of art God, and thank the first God. piece to go is our girl is mona uh, lisa so it's followed so by like every movable easily movable piece of art they would have never seen them again if they hadn't done that it would have been gone due to their quick thinking they were able to like smuggle in a caravan God. all of these pieces to the french countryside mm. and just sprinkling them around in private chateaus wow. in France. What an operation. That's incredible. I have chills. Me too. So after the German occupation in Paris, Nazi officials ordered the Louvre to reopen. But like, jokes on them, it was literally empty. Cool. Yeah. Great job. <laughs> there was some stuff that was there and hard to move and probably deemed not as important. Mm, right. You know? And so they were like, well, 
there's no art. We are going to do what we do best and just take shit from pair. Yeah. Fuckers. So since they didn't have anything to display and are deciding that they're going to take things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who do they take things from? French wealthy families, primarily Jewish wealthy families who have private collections of art Mm -hmm. and aren't in Paris, I guess, to do anything about it. Yeah. Fearing for their lives. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. This period is known as the Louvre sequestration. Oh. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Here they are taking art from wealthy Jewish families, you know, Rothschilds, that sort of thing. Of course. They're not quite done. So then Herman Goering, you know, piece piece Mm -hmm. of actual shit. Yep. So he went to, there's this museum nearby called Jus de Pomme, and there's where there's also a lot of masterpieces, and apparently the conservators weren't as quick to okay. disperse these pieces of get art. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is where they were like, thank you. I'm going to take this. Thank you. I know I shouldn't be surprised at anything, mm-hmm. but it just... No, I know. Do you think these pieces went into the Louvre? No. Are you fucking kidding me? They went to Nazi officials. Right. Okay? I mean, maybe some pieces, because, you know, like, the gesture right. was probably okay. made. Yeah. The really nice stuff went to Germany. Mm. Or if works were deemed morally degenerate, which includes works by Picasso and Dali, they were either sold to non-Germans or mm. burned. Oh, my God. In a public bonfire. Oh, my God. In 1942. But this is why there are so many good, like, World War II movies. Because there's yep. so much Literally. content. Yeah, there, there is. There is so many, like, moving things. Every you know, tiny story is yes. so interesting and so important. Mm. Makes you hate humanity, but also gives you faith. Absolutely. Because there is goodness. Yeah. And thanks to one curator who was working as a double agent, he was yes. he was able to save some pieces from the wow. the, the bonfire. So I don't oh know my what God. they were burning, but it definitely wasn't as much as they could have. Good. Amazing. It's said that the Louvre didn't really work really well with the Nazis, which, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi clapped to you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. And, I mean, no, it is admirable because, mm-hmm. like, that was scary or whatever. There's some controversy now because oh. it's, like, 70-plus years after the Nazis had marched into Paris. The museum is still criticized for its role in one of the biggest art thefts in the world right. because... Some of the pieces of art were from actual family collections that were put in the Louvre. The Louvre since then. Since then, yes. And the Nazis did take some art, but they also did put some art in the Louvre and, like, had confiscated that. Yeah, and and now they still hang there. So basically, all of these private collections are just getting their Louvre. They're going to, like, Germany. They're going to Austria. Like, they're going all around. It's hard to keep track of who has what. You know, at this point, after the war, at least. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that Germans were really good bookkeepers, and, like, that is one of the big reasons why a lot of Nazis were able to be prosecuted and why we know so much. They were able to repatriate and, like, put back some artwork Mm -hmm. that was in Nazi collections. But, you know, the Louvre isn't really helping put back, like, 70-plus years later. 
yeah. kind of collections. You, like, you'd think by now are... if they were really trying, everything yeah. would be given yeah, back. exactly. They don't want to return contested art, basically. Okay, don't love that. Alrighty. No, I know. Okay, so in modern day now, mm-hmm. in 1988, architect I.M. Pei, who is an American Chinese architect, Oh, he was awarded this project, which we, I think we know, it's the glass pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first glass pyramid was finished in 1988, and then the inverted pyramid oh. was finished in 1993. And they say that as of 2002, I think it was, visitors had like doubled because of this like really? kind of like exhibition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's fun. I mean, even before you go into the Louvre, you're taking photos. Yeah, exactly. So there have been a couple street art exhibitions at the Louvre outside. Oh, oh, cool. So there is this street artist, Parisian street artist called JR. He has done, I think, two exhibitions. One is like paper and it goes around the pyramid inside that like square. And it's like an optical illusion of like the inside. Okay. But like if it's Earth, not like the actual museum. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then there was another exhibition in 2016, which, okay, so I was like, this is very confusing to explain. So when you look at the Louvre and you Mm -hmm. see, look at the pyramid, the pyramid wasn't always there, right? Right. So the pyramid this exhibition is i don't know if it was paper but it was covered with an image of the view of what you would see before the pyramid was there so it's just like the building behind it yeah you know but it's It's, basically like how they cover it like scaffolding to make it look like the building it's like that black and white photo so it's an old photo of the louvre so it's sort of like an optical illusion but like you know it's there obviously i have seen pictures of this and i I never oh really yeah oh cool it was in 2016 and i was there for euro cup and we went to you know a game and then Mm -hmm. walked around paris and saw that exhibition that was so fun and cool but yeah and that is the history wow of the louvre that was really juicy lots of highs and lows and okay so the louvre hosts normally like 22 million people a year a year okay this year or well last year 2020 2 million still really yeah i feel like that's a lot for covid yeah that's a lot and the intense shutdowns that france had Mm -hmm. oh wow great now i need to go back literally immediately Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is, who is your, what is your favorite work in there? Venus made me cry and Delacroix's Liberty Leading the People made me cry. (gasps) That was like a very important piece for me. Mm -hmm. It was just really lovely to see. What about you? Okay, so while I do love a Venus Mm -hmm. and Venus de Milo is very high up there on my favorite pieces of art. Yeah. My favorite piece is Canova's Cupid kissing psyche yeah yeah (laughs) oh that's lovely like a true basic bitch (laughs) well no no if it's beloved for so long there is a reason yeah yeah that's a good one that's a really good one too i mean seeing the winged victory 
in the staircase. Oh, oh, oh my God! On in Funny Face with Audrey oh. Hepburn, when she's like going down in that like frothy chiffon thing, and sh- they're taking pictures of her and Beyonce and Jay Z. Oh yes! Oh my I God! Mean, of course. That was like my most listened to song of 2018, <laughs> and I have seen that video so many times. It is so iconic. Good. That yeah. is iconic. That is. Oh, mm. that's so good. I know. Amazing. Love it. Yes. Love the Louvre. So we love the Louvre. Okay, so my little story. It's not a story. It's just let's be painfully American here. So you know how the Louvre is gigantic. Yeah. Oh, right? God, yeah. And so when we went, it took us literally an hour and a half to figure out where we were to leave. Like it was <laughs> it was like we had already gone through all the things. Yeah. So we had been there for hours at this point. Right. And so here we are just making left turns and left tur- right turns and like like we we can get out of here. It's fine. And I have this there is this one picture that my friend Lindsay took of me and I was just like you, you just I give don't up. You're know. there forever. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to fall over. <laughs> I need a baguette or a sandwich or something. Yeah. Where's I need the cafeteria? Food. <laughs> yeah. I need a bathroom. I need yeah. to get out of here. Well, if there was a fire, no. what would happen? No. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the history of Love it. the Louvre. Wow. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I get started with my little mini topic? Please. Today I'm going to be telling you about Lucy Aubrock. One of the very first and most famous leaders of the French Resistance. So, World War II. Yeah, love her. Here we go. She wrote a book of her memoirs called Outwitting the Gestapo, which I've read, and it was great. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Lucy, L-U-C-I-E, which I've never Mm -hmm. seen before, was born in 1912 in a town southeast of Paris, and she moved to Paris at age 19 with hopes to get into the Sorbonne. Oh, okay. She eventually would get in in 1937. She graduated in one year, so just, like, incredibly wow. bright. And she was mm-hmm. a member of the French Communist Party, and she just looked around and saw the poverty mm-hmm. in Paris and was just like, something mm-hmm. needs to be done about this. I'm mm-hmm. going to educate people. So mm-hmm. she gets her degree. She becomes a teacher in Strasbourg, which is right on the Rhine River, mm-hmm. mere miles away from France's border with Germany. Mm. And in 1939, she meets and falls in love with a guy named Raymond Samuel, who is an Mm -hmm. engineering student from an upper-class Jewish family. And together, they get into lots of very tricky situations, and they every time they escape, it's because of Lucy. She has so, luck. Yeah. Okay. It gets it gets and the really werewolf. Good. Okay. Later that year, so this is 1939. She's preparing mm-hmm. to leave for the U.S. because she won a scholarship grant. But on September first, yeah, incredibly mm-hmm. smart. Just four days before she's supposed to leave, German troops invade Poland, and Allied nations declare war on Germany. So she's like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay here Mm -hmm. so she wants to get back to strasbourg which Mm -hmm. by now was off limits to civilians because raymond was still there and she managed to smuggle herself into the city by convincing army medics to carry her in on a stretcher (laughs) so can you imagine turn left like down that street like (gasps) on a stretcher absolutely wild Mm -hmm. and she and raymond got married 
that December. Wow. Okay. So the following spring, here you are, 1940, mm-hmm. Raymond and two million other men were captured as prisoners of war by the Germans because he was, you know, told to go to the front. Mm-hmm. He was in the army. France was humiliated that this had happened, and they turned to General Philippe Pétain, who mm-hmm. was like a war hero from the First World War, mm-hmm. and they were like, what do we do? And he's like, let's sign armistice with Germany. So... Fuck that. Thank you so much Mm, for that decision. Thank you for all your help. Yeah. So knowing that her husband would be sent to a prisoner of war camp, she was like, I need to save him from like Mm -hmm. from his imprisonment with the Germans. Mm -hmm. So she crossed through France to where he was being held in another city called Sarborg. Mm -hmm. And she was she was able to somehow see him. They let her in. Okay. She was able to pass him medication that gave him a fever, and they (gasps) transferred him to the hospital. This is all part of her plan. And then she was able to smuggle him a set of clothes and a disguise that allowed him to escape the hospital. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they fled to Lyon. Okay. One escape under their belt. Okay. Few were safe. By 1940, the fall of 1940, she was one of the earliest members of the resistance that is now forming. On top of, you know, being a mother to their newborn son and a teacher, she is also helping to publish the resistance journal called Liberation, okay. um, deliver packages, distribute propaganda, and help imprisoned resistors escape from prison. Wow. Does she sleep? I yeah. don't oh, understand God. it. Okay. By the end of 1942, another son of a bitch, Klaus Barbie, <laughs> <laughs> Klaus Barbie comes and he is okay. setting up german headquarters in Lyon. now in early 1943 they're changing their name to abrock so that lucy abrock okay. is how she's known so raymond and lucy abrock okay. raymond gets arrested by the gestapo again for training resistance fighters and he was able to convince them to let him go because he was like i'm just selling goods in the black market and then a couple months later he's arrested again I think they just must have, like, had their eye on a few people. Sure. They're like, we know what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. And so was chief resistance leader Jean Moulin. And Barbie and his officers tortured both men. And Jean would eventually die from the injuries sustained during this. Lucy, who is now pregnant for the second time, meets with Barbie and is like, please let him go, you know, trying everything she can to, like, you know, make him sympathize with their situation. She's a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. You'd think, I don't know, she'd be able to win him over. He refuses, and Raymond is sentenced to death. Okay. And she has no contact, obviously, inside, so she doesn't know how Raymond's doing. She's literally visiting the morgues in hopes that her husband won't be there. Yeah. Horrible. In her final attempt to free him, somehow she gains Mm. sympathies with another German official Mm. and cited a French law that allows prisoners who are on death row to marry. They're already married, but they don't know that. Oh, my God. So she's like, please, like, I'm pregnant. Please let me marry him. It worked. On October 21st, the wedding, quote, takes place at the Gestapo headquarters. An hour later... As they're escorting uh-huh. um, Raymond back to prison, uh-huh. Lucy and several other armed members of the <gasps> resistance. I know, this is like a movie. Oh my god. They attack the van, killing German <gasps> officers, freeing Raymond and 16 other prisoners. Holy shit. Isn't this like, I have chills. Oh my god. Really Woo! incredible. 
Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, let's say they were wanted before. It is like doubled down. They're like, we need to get Mm -hmm. out of France. Mm -hmm. So they're the Abraks and their son. She's still pregnant. They're moving from safe house to safe house until finally Mm -hmm. they are smuggled into England where they're welcomed with open arms, obviously. Okay. People know who they are there. A few days I later. Had, oh my God, I have Isn't this homes. really incredible? Yeah. A few days later, her daughter, Catherine, was born. Oh. Yeah. And then in June of 1944, they go back to France as representatives of the Free French government under Charles de Gaulle. And okay. they were in Paris by de Gaulle's side on August 25th when oh Germans in Paris surrender <gasps> to the Allied troops. And he, like, gave a speech and they I were there chills. with them. Oh I my know. God. Oh. I know. One aside that is very sad, by the time mm. they come back to France, Raymond's parents, who were both Jewish, yeah. had been deported to Auschwitz. And so they were, like, mourning the loss of his parents mm. while celebrating yeah. the fact that France was free. Yeah. So after this happened, she began teaching and would continue to spend her life dedicated to campaigning against other global issues. And mm. in 1996, she was awarded France's highest award, the Legion of Honor, for her role in the resistance. Mm. And she passed away in 2007 at the age of 95. Oh, Lucy. Incredible, brave life. Yeah, Lucy. There's there's a little bit of controversy because when Barbie mm. was post-World War II brought in and, you know, put on trial, mm. he said that they gave in Jean's name oh. to be captured. You know, the guy who ended up dying from the injuries. Okay. They were like, no, we would never give in the name of our yeah. dear friend. Yeah, who has more to lose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So they, yeah. he tried to taint them. And that's why she wrote her memoir. Yeah do what she can to prove her case but yeah like he tried to taint what they did it's like okay yeah yeah not today so yeah that's the incredible story of lucy opera lucy Mm -hmm. thank you (laughs) you're welcome i watched this documentary this weekend about europe after world war ii and the problems that they all faced and basically like there's retaliation yeah you know there's Theft. There's no food. Yeah, there's, there's no, no infrastructure, and there, there's no buildings. How no do you homes. start like, again? People lo- obviously lost their families. Yeah, and there was this one part where they talked to old SS officers. You know, some are like, "Wow, I see the light. I yeah. can't believe we were truly brainwashed." Mm. QAnon. Yeah, you know. <sighs> and then there's this one guy who's like. You don't mix apples with oranges is the <gasps> metaphor he used still. So, oh, like, it is imperative God. that we, like, still teach this. And I saw something the other day where it was, like, it was a disgusting percentage of Americans don't know about World War II. Really? Yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. It was, like, 40% or something <gasps> like that. It was some, do not quote me on that, but it was yeah. something really That makes my stomach sad. turn. And I was like, you can't see, like, a fucking Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. A Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, come on. Hello. I know. And you don't know about World if War II? If we don't know about World War Two, we don't know anything Shit. about anything. Because, like, that's not that, that long scary. ago. You know? That is scary. And that you'd think would be the first thing that everyone knows about. Yeah. It's very scary and troubling. Yeah. You know, what little people know. 
I know. In and this simply country. just do not care to mm-hmm. find out. Educate yourselves, people. It is a yeah. possible thing. Or just it's listen a welcome to this thing. podcast and then we'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. If there's anything you want to learn about, pass mm-hmm. it our way and maybe we'll talk mm-hmm. about it sometime. Kate, do you have any recommendations for me this week? Yes, I do. So, as I stated last week, I love or listening to movie soundtracks. Yes, you do. Let me tell you, Moonstruck, banger oh. after banger. <laughs> Puccini? Are you I've, kidding me? I've never seen that movie. It's free on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Watch it. Kate is giving me the Italian hands right now, like really I'm, lecturing me I am that it's free double, on YouTube. Double hand. <laughs> Cher? Hello? Yeah, I love Cher. <laughs> I love Cher more than anyone that I know. <laughs> Cher and Nicolas Cage before he got his teeth done. Oh, okay. But it's like Brooklyn. They're playing. No, no, no. I just fucking, fucking listen to it. That's all I have <laughs> <Okay>. to say. <laughs> Great. Okay. Or, and you watch it if you haven't okay. watched it. Yes. I'm getting worked up now. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a movie recommendation that I watched on Friday. It's very new. I think it's like 2021 new on Netflix called The Dig with Carey Mulligan, Ray Fiennes. Okay. I forgot about that, actually. It was really good. I mean, again, World War II, Mm -hmm. England countryside. This woman has mounds on her property. She hires an excavator to, like, come and see what's in there. And it was just... A beautiful movie. It was really Is good. It sad? A little bit, but not like crying sad. Okay. And I just love that era. Yeah, I know. A period piece. It's just so good. So I actually texted Emil yesterday and I was like, Emil, just give me a word. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what we like. Just give me some slang or something. And he yeah. said, Gamin, which I think, I hope Gamin. I'm doing him That's just. a girl. It's kid, but it also it- means immature oh. that's like the slang part of it gamma yeah immature wait i wonder he sent me a voice note of it i wonder if i can still play it we'll see oh play it yeah gamma. <laughs> there you go <laughs> so you. that's how you say a word of the day it is gamma. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much emil <laughs> thank you emil love and that immature kate for a beautiful topic this week i love that i loved lucy too <laughs> thanks we so love lucy mm-hmm. and thanks everyone for tuning in again we'll see you next week we have some fun new things on the horizon mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. stay tuned we'll talk to you soon ciao ciao